Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on Wilcom. Tyco CEO Dennis Kozlowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. In 2001, a film came out that shook the youth of America. Spy Kids. Hell yeah, I love Spy Kids. The critically acclaimed film that followed the lives of Carmen and Junie Cortez and their sexy parents in their life of crime and espionage. Not only did this film give the preteens of America a sexual awakening, Antonio Banderas and Carla Gugino, are you kidding me? So hot. It also gave glitz and glamour to the life of being a spy. Well, the life of a spy might be appealing to some, but it was especially appealing to the star of today's story, Robert Hansen, an FBI agent turned spy for the Russians, deceived the entire nation while cashing in on exchanged secrets. Why did he do it? I'm assuming money. (laughs) What led him to this life? Find out on today's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Uh, you got my hopes up. I thought we were going to be talking about Spy Kids. I mean, we can derail and talk about Spy Kids. I thought Megan Trainer or something it did some crime. She's married to Junie. Yeah. Yes, she is. I forget his name. Sorry, that Daryl something. That guy. Literally, his legacy went from being Junie Cortez to being married to Megan Trainer. He doesn't do anything else. Well, you can say that he's all about that base. No treble. No treble. <laughs> Also, I like that you said crime and espionage. Like that made it seem like the kids were committing the crime. Well, didn't they at one point? I don't think so. They went and did they broke into that little mushroom place? And she goes, "Oh shit! Oh no, that's, they didn't break into a mushroom place." She goes, "Oh shit, talky mushroom." Instead of saying, "Oh shit." Oh, are you talking about like the hollow deck in Floop's mansion in the original Spy Kids? Yes. You need to rewatch it, man. I haven't watched that movie in probably twenty years. Oh, you got to rewatch it. It's still it holds up. I'm saying that. Proudly. Listen, Antonio Banderas can get it. Oh, and did. now that I'm older, so could Carlo Gugino. I would switch teams for her. Who was in that? The mom! No, I know who I know who that was. Yeah, she was hot. What about Steve Buscemi? He was in the second one. No. <laughs> Steve Buscemi can't get it? Oh, come mm-hmm. on. He's so nice. He's, he went back to be a firefighter for 9-11. Come on. Get to really? throw him a bone. All right, fine. With the lights off. Yeah, he was a New York... Just because he's a hero. He was a New York firefighter for, like, years before acting. And then he left acting for, like, a year to go back and help the New York Fire Department in the fallout of 9-11. Okay, fine. Lights off. There we go. Steve Buscemi. For an American hero. If you're listening... You can get it. I got you, bud. I got you. I'm fucking number one wingman for Steve Buscemi. Well, welcome back, everyone. <laughs> to an episode of White Collars Red Hands. I'm Kishan. And I am Nina. And today we are going to be talking about spies, but not spy kids. And not 007. Tell me there's not one kid spy in this whole story? Not in this story, no. Mm. But there's adult spies. Oh, less fun. But fine. Well, today we are going to be talking about Robert Hansen, that sneaky little devil, that weasel, yeah, that rascal. N- not of the Hansen brothers. No. I'm assuming. Unless, no, did he write not. Mbop or what? Um, He doesn't want you to know that he did, but he did. Okay. Mbop. 
Yeah, it, does, it doesn't have words, so you can just say whatever you want. Do it a wop dop do wop. I'm a spy bop. Do do spy bop. Okay, and, and they're like, remove the spy from that, and you got yourself a hit. You Robert. got yourself a hit. Get, get your younger brothers to come in here and perform it. All right, so Robert Hansen, he was born in 1944 on the west side of Chicago, actually t- technically in Norwood Park. There's really no reason to go to Norwood Park. Sorry, residents of Norwood Park. Um, I have taught theater at Norwood Park Elementary School, and they were some of the worst behaved children I've ever experienced in my life. You hear that, Norwood Park parents? Yeah, you all need to get take in. away an Xbox or something. Yeah, get in check. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, Hansen was described as an awkward kid who didn't really have very many friends. His father worked for the Chicago Police Department for 30 years. And in the 60s, he was promoted to lieutenant and dealt with the mob and high-end criminals. I, I don't know. How, I, don't, I, don't say, I don't even know how the system works. Like, lieutenant, that's high? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Okay. I think captain is the highest you can get. I think so too. I don't Do they have generals? Generals? No, in the police department? not in the police department. Like general. They have chiefs. Um, his. It was noted that his father was very verbally abusive, and he was actually described as a dry drunk. What, what does that mean? So, like, you know, when people are drunk and they say shit they don't mean, and it's like nasty. Well, he just did that, but he was sober. He was just verbally abusive. So he was an asshole. Yeah, That's, he was just a we have a dick. word for that. It's called an asshole. Hansen attended Knox College in Galesburg, Illinois, and in 1965, he met his wife, Bonnie, while they were in college. Um, He was a real romantic guy, and he would write Bonnie love letters, and she really just loved those. What? It it was the only way to communicate. It was In 1965, they could call each other on the telephone. I guess. They could send a telegraph. I guess. Carrier pigeon, the Pony Express. You can't, like, send a cute TikTok in 1965, though, so what's the alternative? You gotta write a letter, bro. He sends her, he's like, sends her a, sends her love letter. Savage love. <laughs> you're like, you'll get that. Don't worry, you're going to get that joke in like 60 years. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> Stupid joke. It's not even trending anymore. All right. So the couple married in 1968, and this shows what a big dick his dad was. His father even said to Bonnie on their wedding day, like on Bonnie and Hanson's wedding day, he said, why would you marry my son? He's a loser. This is just, you know, Nina, this is just back when men were men. Men were men. Men were boys, and boys were men, and men were guys, and guys were dudes. And what you did is you shat on the next generation. Hell yeah. You told your son they were worthless so they could grow up and tell their sons they were worthless. Um, After they were married, this is just a little side note, they joined Opus Dei, which is a very strict, almost cult-like branch of the Catholic Church. Sounds um, like it. <laughs> yeah, Opus Dei. It's scary. Actually, I, there's some documentaries on it I want to watch just to freak myself out. Well, also, I like how you said cult-like branch of the Catholic Church. Like, the Catholic Church just isn't cult-like by itself, Ooh, but that's fine. Yeah, I know. Um, They're required to attend daily mass, extra confessions, and some people even were a, a Silas. C-I-L-I-C-E. Oh, that's, that's the thing on their leg, right? Yes, it's yeah. a metal chain that you wear around your thigh that'll poke you to remind you of your sins that you committed because it'll dig into your thigh and cause you pain. Anyone who's read The Da Vinci Code will know what that. that's how I know what it is. <laughs> I only watched the movie. It's in there, too. Yeah, the I monk, don't remember. The monk wears it. I actually think he's part of Opus Day in there. Now that and, would make sense. he wears the Silas. That makes sense. Um... He that's just a little side note about them, but um, he attended Northwestern University's business school. Um, he, became, he went to Kellogg, huh? Yeah, and he became an accountant. 
but he was extremely bored by this. And many people believe that he wanted the same power that his father had as a lieutenant. So he ended up dropping out of school and Hanson joined the Chicago police force in 1972. What? He went to be an accountant and was like, nah, fuck this. I'm going to be a police officer. Yeah. Weird, weird switch. I know. But that's just what he did. All right. He's a weird dude. All right. He joined Opus Day. And then became a spy later. And so became yeah, a spy. I, I, I guess. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of corruption in Chicago at the time. And now. <laughs> well, yeah. Mayor Daly was the mayor. I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was when Daly was mayor. Um, he was put in a special squad called the C5 where he would spy on coworkers. And it was his first time being a double agent. Woo. So cute. <laughs> He's a snitch. Oh, yeah. You're going to get your own people. Get them. Get them. Get them. In 1976, he joined the FBI. Ah, the female body inspector. Yes. I've oh, their, you'll find all, out all about him female body inspecting later. Oh, Betty. No. Barbara? Betty? What Bonnie. What his wife names? Yeah. Bonnie. I was close. Actually, poor Bonnie. He did some fucked up shit to her, but we'll find that out later. Um, he was actually assigned to a white collar crime squad, but then he was reassigned to the New York office. Um, he ended up in counterintelligence. When Hansen joined, it was really like the dawn of the computer age at the FBI, and Hansen really un- understood computers, and he actually set up all the computers in the office. So then, in 1979, he approached the Soviet main intelligence directorate. I hate that word. It's so long. It's also known as the GRU, and offered to be a spy. When asked why he did this, Hansen said that he was financially motivated. It was difficult for Hansen to provide for his family on an FBI salary in New York. By the time he and his wife moved to New York, they had three children, and they ended up having six by the end of... What? Maybe if you'd spend a little bit more money on condoms, Robert, He's you'd have to spend Catholic. less... Catholic! They can't do birth control. Oh, my God. And they're super Catholic, so they super can't do birth control. Just have Bonnie do hand... Just, like, do hand stuff with Bonnie. Come on, man. But then what'll his dick do? What do you mean? Hand stuff? Yeah. Lame. Yeah, lame, but it's better than having six kids. Well, not to Hanson. So he gave away information about the FBI's bugging activities and lists of suspected Soviet intelligence agents. Um, I am going to jump around a little bit with dates, but he, during his um, time being a spy, he ended up betraying CIA informant Dmitry Polyakov, who is also known as Top Hat, um, who was rising through the ranks of rising to the rank of general in the Soviet army. Now, Polyakov was safe until 1985 when he was betrayed by a CIA agent, by the CIA mole, Aldrich Ames. Aldrich Ames was also a mole and was spying for the Russians. He told the Russians about Polyakov, and then he was like, hey, Polyakov's giving the U.S. information. And they were like, "Mm, okay. But then when Hansen was like, hey, yeah, Polyakov is giving information, they were like, oh, shit. And so then he was eventually executed in 1988. Yikes. Um, Side note, it was believed that Polyakov was actually turned into a triple agent and then gave misinformation to the United States. Oh, too much to keep track of. Yeah, I didn't even know you could be a triple agent until today. Where does it... When I was researching. Where does it stop, It doesn't ever stop. Can't stop, won't stop. You become a spy to the United States, 
then you become a spy for Russia, then you become a spy lying to the Americans about the Russian secrets, but then you lie to the Russians about the American secrets. It never stops. This is the one reason I'm not a spy. <laughs> the one, the only one? Yeah, no, there's nothing else stopping me except for that. Hansen was transferred to the FBI quarters, headquarters in D.C. in 1981. He was assigned to the budget unit. Now, this doesn't sound like it would be very helpful to him, but it actually gave him a plethora of information about different FBI operations. Do you like my use of the word plethora? I haven't used that word in so long. Yeah, good job. I can't wait to see your SAT score, bro. I never took the SAT. Yeah, I only took the ACT. So he had access to documents for the FBI, but also had all of the U.S. Intel, also all of the U.S. intelligence agency. Now, those documents covered past and future dealings. This included wiretapping and electronic surveillance. This same year, 1981, his wife, Bonnie, caught him doing some shady shit. She caught him taking a note either out of the Coke can or putting it into the Coke can. So she walked downstairs doo, 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 and she saw him with a note in a Coke can. And she was like, and because of former infidelity, she made him tell her what was going on. Like that's how he's communicating with his side piece? Is he's throwing notes into Coke cans? Oh my God. So that he proceeded to half explain what he was doing. He was telling her that he was giving meaningless info to the Russians. But like, could you imagine being like, I know you're talking to her. And he's like, no, babe, I swear I'm only selling government secrets to Russia. And she's like, prove it. Prove it to me. Babe, we've moved Past this. I'm not that man anymore. I'm just selling secrets to the USSR. Oh, you want me to believe that you're selling secrets to the USSR and not that bitch down the street? Yeah, because it's true. <laughs> like, so funny. Like, ridiculous. In his words, he was, he, in his words, he put it as trash for cash. He's like, I'm just giving him trash for cash. Bonnie believed him. And but she did make him meet with the priest where the priest told him to give the money to charity. <laughs> you got to go to the priest. Well, it's confession. See, Catholics, culty. Mm -hmm. what, did, what did I what yeah. did I say? Yeah. Um. So then he he moved around in the FBI a lot, like every two to three years. It felt like he like I felt like when I was re researching this, I was like, dude, you switch jobs every two to three years. Like he stayed in the FBI, but bounced around. In a lot of different departments. I'm not sure if that's normal, but... I think that is how it happens a lot. Yeah. Like, in companies in general, usually, like, someone does a job for, like, what, two, three years, and then they get promoted or move somewhere else. Yeah. And they do a different job, and people are just constantly moving. Yeah, and he bounced around a lot from, like, the D.C., Virginia area to New York. Back, Like, he went back and forth between those two places a lot. Um, he actually was then moved to the Soviet Analytic Unit in 1984. The Soviet Analytical Unit was responsible for studying, identifying, and capturing Soviet spies in the U.S., um, this gave him the ability to look at information without being questioned because he had to for his job. So this was bad. Man, the most stressful, the most stressful way of you Googling yourself. <laughs> You're a Russian spy. You're a Russian spy in the Russian spy department. Like, let me search my name real quick. Well, he did end up doing that later. What? Yeah, we'll <laughs> talk about that. Um, in 1985, he was a move. He ended up being moved to a department where he 
where they processed the results of surveillance in New York. Um, he did end up establishing contact with KGB in 1985. He sent in an anonymous letter offering his services for $100,000. In this letter, he offered up the names of three KGB agents who were working with the FBI. Bor- I'm going to mess up these names. Boris Yuzin, Valerie Mar- Martinov, Martinov, and Sergi Motorin. Sergi? That's the only one I know is 100% right. Sergey. Sergey? Sergey. Sergey? Yeah. Fuck. Sergey. <laughs> Mart- Motorin. I'm trying, guys. Yeah. So Martinov and Motorin, Motorin, they were called back to Moscow, and they were actually found guilty of espionage, and they were both shot in the back of the head. Yikes. Um, Yuzin was imprisoned for six years, and then he was then released by the General Amnesty for Political Prisoners, and he emigrated back to the USA. Whoa. So, yeah. Why Yuzin get off so I easy? I don't know, but he did. All right. Um, in the letters to the KGB, he would lie to them and tell him that his name was, Hansen would tell them that his name was Ramon Garcia. And he would set up drop locations and he would make sure that the drops would happen in Washington so that when he was in New York, they really wouldn't figure out where or who he was. And then in March 3rd, nineteen. 19- 86 there was a drop a second drop that was supposed to happen but then it ended up being something happened like it didn't end up happening um he ended up disappearing for some time after this um i think he was afraid he was going to get caught and so he was like uh no not like just dis- he disappeared from the soviets like he didn't contact them or oh anything. okay like, i not, thought he was just like he just disappeared no off the no, face no, of the no, earth, no like- not off the face of the earth no just he quit contacting with the soviets and like disappeared from talking to them in October um, of 1986, because during this time, sorry, let me backtrack a little bit. During this time, the FBI was kind of figuring out that there was a mole. When these Russian spies were executed in Russia and called back to Moscow, they were like, something's up. There's a, like something's happening. Something's happening. And then they found out they were executed. So they figured out that there had to be a mole within the, either the CIA or the FBI. And so that's kind of why that was part of the reason why he kind of stopped communicating with them. And then in October of 1986, Hansen actually became part of the mole hunt. And that was supposed to be looking for the person who was exposing the KGB agents. But it was him. So his task was to study all known and rumored leaks of the information in the FBI that had to do with Martinov and Motorin. So he was essentially just looking for himself. Um, He... So, you know, he manipulated it. They didn't. Of course. Yeah, He's not going to go and be like, hey, I found hey, you what it is. I did it. It's just a slideshow of pictures of him. He's like, I think it's this guy. I think it's this guy. Holy shit. Um, he gave the entire study, including the list of Soviets who contacted the FBI about FBI bulls to the KGB in 1988. Fucking dick. And um, in 1989, Hansen actually gave away major information about spy satellites and signal intercepts. And then he also gave away information that when the Soviets were building a new embassy in 1977, the U.S. government had actually made a tunnel underneath the decoding room for the purpose of eavesdropping. They never used it because they were worried they would be caught. But he told them about it. After giving this information to the Soviets, he received $55,000 in payment the next month. That doesn't seem like that much. That was 55000 in 80s money. So it was really like the equivalent of a hundred and something thousand today. But still, it's not enough. I think to sell secrets, it's got to be in the millions. Although this is a white collar crime, 
I felt like he didn't make enough money for what he did. Yeah, he's got to haggle more, man. Yeah, he yeah. didn't know his worth. There's a lot of people not knowing their worth in this story, and we're going to get to that. Yeah, know your worth, guys. Know your worth. If you're selling secrets to a government, stand up for yourself. Come to the, to the negotiation table ready, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, before Hansen was ever caught, there were people who did suspect him of espionage, including his brother-in-law, Mark Walk, I think is how you say their last name, um, who was also an employee of the FBI, which was weird. They had two FBI agents in one family. He's an agent? The way you said employee, what was he, a janitor? No, he was an agent. All right. He was also an FBI agent. All right. Um. He had a couple reasons on why he thought that Hansen was committing espionage. One, he was. <laughs> one, he actually was fucking doing it. But one of the reasons was that Bonnie had found, she had told him, well, okay, whatever. He found out. It's like a whole slew of people who, she told her sister who told him. Anyways, um, Bonnie had actually found $5,000 worth of cash in Hansen's sock drawer, and she had no idea where it had come from. There was also unexplained extreme overspending on the Hansen's part on the hands. So they would, he knew how much money he was making. He also worked in the FBI and he's like, how are you affording all this shit? All their kids were in private school, you know, buying nice jewelry, buying all this stuff. And he was like, you shouldn't be able to afford all this. And, uh, that was another reason why he thought he might be committing espionage. I would think drug dealing before espionage, but that's besides the point. Not if you're in the FBI, right? Yeah, I guess you that's are, true. You got the stuff, right? Yeah. So it's like if my friend Mark or something, he's got a bunch of money and he works at a Sonic drive-in. I'm like, you're selling Coke. But if, if it's someone in the FBI... Espionage. Espionage. Block also had a conversation with Bonnie about how when Hansen retired, they planned on moving to Poland. I guess it's like a safe space or something. Not traditionally. No, not traditionally. (laughs) But yeah, he. So because of all these things, Walk knew that and Walk knew that the FBI was looking for a mole. So he brought this information to his supervisor, who did nothing about it classic 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 do nothing managers am i right i have a couple of them hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price price line Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee a roomier rest for the on a whim road trippers or a place to make summer memories with the whole family no matter who you are where you're going or why with 24 trusted brands to choose from like la quinta days in and super eight your Wyndham is waiting get the lowest price at windhamhotels.com restrictions supply visit website for more details um, in 1991, things got a little rough for Hansen with the spy world. And if you know anything about history, you will know that the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991. Um, Hansen cut off contact with the Russians at this time because of fear of being caught. Um, former KGB members were selling info left and right. So he went under the radar. 
1992, Hansen approached the GRU again, even though he had not been in contact with them for over 10 months. He went in person to the Russian embassy with a package of documents and told them that his name, again, Ramon Garcia, which is the code name that he would always use. He told them that he was a disaffected FBI agent, which even though he was an active FBI agent, this is the only time that Hansen ever met with the Russians in person and he, they never knew his real name. Um, it is believed that the Russians never actually knew who they were talking to, which is interesting. If he did his job right. If he did yeah, his job right, not. yeah, they didn't. Um, the Russians... Yeah, there was a point where the Russians thought that he might be a triple agent and filed an official protest with the State Department, but somehow he wasn't arrested and it wasn't looked into. Huh. Isn't that weird? How do you... I, I just... What form... Do you go and I ask, don't know. What form do you go to, like, the government office and be like, like, hey, hey I, was, guy. I would like to report a triple H. And they're like, oh, that's 37C here. Take this. Fill it out in triplicate and bring it back, and we'll see what we can do. Mm-hmm. And then the answer was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, nothing. nothing. Um, he continued to sell information to the Russians by doing dead drops, where he would give a location for the Russians to give him a package of money. In exchange, he would give them a package of information. Um, it was said that he ended up giving them like 6,000 pages worth of documents. Damn. Which is a lot. Um, he would only use drop sites that he picked. If the Russians did suggest a drop site, he would not use it. He would be like, nope, this is where we're going. Um, during his time as a double agent, Hansen would do about 10 to 15 drops of information. So. The total. That's total. Yes, total. Okay. Um, so in 1998, so they had been, the FBI knew they had a mole. They had been trying to figure out who the mole was. They couldn't figure it out. And in 1998, the FBI suspected that Brian Kelly, who was a CIA operative, was the mole and started to do an investigation on him. Um, the CIA and FBI tapped his home, did surveillance on him and followed him and his family around. In November of 1998, they had a man with a foreign accent go to Kelly's home and tell him that the FBI knew he was a spy and tried to get him to escape. He was like, you need to go to this metro station at this time and then then you can escape and they'll never know. Um, Kelly reported this interaction to the FBI. He was like, that's this is sketchy. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Like, so their plan fell. Their plan fell through. That's usually um, what happens. You just don't hear about it. Yeah, it was kind of a shitty setup, I felt like. Um, Kelly was put on administrative leave, but was never prosecuted due to lack of info. Like, they didn't have actual info. Like, they didn't have any proof. Um, he remained falsely accused until Hansen's arrest, which was quite a few years later. Oh, damn. So yeah. he was suspended for, like, multiple like years? Like, three years, yeah. That they paid him? I think so, yeah. Hey, paid vacation. Yeah, paid vacation. But what sucks is, like... It's all your friends, like everybody who you, who you worked with, everybody that you know, they think you're shitty. You know, they're like, oh, you're you're a mole, you're a mole. And it's like, well, no, I'm not. I'm not. It's kind of shitty. I don't know. I mean, it's no walk in the park, but whatever. You get, to, you get paid to do, do whatever you want. Who cares if all of your friends and think that you are a traitor? <laughs> I wouldn't want you to think I'm a traitor. I already do. Oh, oh. 
I was trying to come up with a nasty joke and I couldn't come up with it. Wow, first time. Huh? I was going to be like, yeah, trade this dick. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. I'm going to stop. <laughs> yeah, great. No, that would kill in like seventh grade, bro. Yeah, it probably kill. would. Kill. Oh my God. It would do. In seventh grade, I would do a great job. Um, So, you know. Minus being a spy, Hanson did other things that were bad. Um, he was just a kind of overall a shitty guy. There was a woman in his life named Priscilla Gailey. She was a stripper at the 1819 Club, and Hanson would go there to watch her. That's not shitty. That's fine. Go watch a stripper, pay the stripper. That's fine. However, he like... And he kind of became her sugar daddy, which again, fine. But he did tell her, I've never expected to meet anyone with so much grace and beauty at the strip club, which Priscilla says was the best compliment she ever received. That's sad. Again, know your worth, Priscilla. Oh, my God. Isn't that sad? She's like, that was the nicest. She's like, I followed him out of the club because that was just the nicest thing anybody had ever said to me. That basically reduces to, you know, you got grace for a stripper. (laughs) Like, that's not a nice thing to say. No. Oh, sorry. You got grace and beauty for a stripper. That's like the time when I was working at Waffle House that someone was like, why do you work here? You speak clearly. You have all of your teeth. Why are you here? Honestly, facts, though. I mean, yeah. So, like I said, he became her sugar daddy, basically. Um, He hid this. So, he became her sugar daddy. He hid this from his wife. A big reason that his one friend, Jack, who was a childhood friend, says that he thinks he became involved with Priscilla in this way is because he wanted to be a little more materialistic. He wanted to be a little bit more flashy. And Bonnie really wasn't about that life. Like, he would buy her jewelry. He would buy her nice things. And she'd be like, yeah, but, like, could I get a new vacuum, though? And oh, she's boring. Yeah, she was more boring. And he kind of wanted this like hot thing on his shoulder. He had bought Priscilla a Mustang. He gave her a credit card to take care of the Mustang. I mean, he like really he spoiled her and good for her. Except for he was a spy. And here's some other shitty stuff that he did. See, all that wasn't really shitty except minus like the cheating on your wife part. Like that part's not cool. Yeah, and he's like sending her messages in Coke cans. Yeah, he was sending her messages in Coke cans. Um, this is gross. So I was just talking about his childhood friend, Jack. Well, Jack had to go to Vietnam and fight in Vietnam. While he was in Vietnam, Hanson sent him nudes of Bonnie to cheer him up. Okay, when you said in the outline, just said his wife, I was like, wait, whose wife? Like he's sending no, Jack pictures, Bonnie. nude pictures of Jack's wife? No. That's- he was sending him nude pictures of Bonnie. Okay, so he's a cuck. So what? Okay, well, Bonnie didn't know that these pictures were sent. Oh, well. She knew she took them consensually, but she did not share them consensually. That is non-consensual pornography, and she can sue him for that. You can get about $10,000 for non-consensual pornography. Not in the 80s. They didn't care. No, they didn't care in the 80s. Um, Jack says that before he received the pictures that he was an absolute gentleman to Bonnie and then um, was disappointed with himself that he did not treat her with the same respect afterwards. Everybody's shitty. What, because he's seen her titties? Yeah, I guess so. You can respect... Here's the thing. If anyone sides with Jack, you can respect a woman after seeing her titties. I don't understand. Yeah. Actually, you should. You should probably respect her more. She shared a very intimate part of her body with you. Mm -hmm. Her titties. Those are reserved for only the blessed few. (laughs) That that sounds like a cult. Oh, yeah, that's true. The cult of titty. <laughs> I'm part of the double D cult. Oh my god! Hey, if I was ever going to be in a cult, it'd be the double D cult. That's the one I choose. 
All right. Well, Jack ended up being a real cuck and watched Bonnie and Hanson have sex um, multiple times. Okay, so wait, Jack is, was into this, is what yeah, I mean. Yeah. And well, so Hanson, like, kind of orchestrated all of it. But, like, and, but then, like, Jack was like, nah, all right. I'll do it. Oh yeah, it sounds He's like, like you really had to, my arm. Yeah, you really had to force them to come and watch them have sex. Yeah, well Bonnie would still have no idea what was going on. Um because so like he so Jack was visiting them one time and he was like, Watch me and Bonnie have sex. So like he left a curtain open and he like watched them from the outside, but then and like that wasn't a good enough view. So then they ended up like putting this camera in the bedroom that she didn't know about and then like like putting it into a TV that he would watch in, like, the study. It was creepy. And then he was, like, he would angle Bonnie's body a certain way so that I could see it better. This is so much work. It was fucked up. Well, they didn't have, like, readily available porn, I guess. Yes, they did. In the 80s? 100%. Yeah, I guess on the DVD. I mean, on the VHS. Like, you don't have to. This is so much work. Yeah, well, it's I have never wanted to see two of my friends have sex. No, never. Definitely not this much. I'm thinking about all my friends, and yeah, I don't want to watch any of them have sex. I'd rather. I would rather. Like he's. he's I would rather eat a pickled quail egg, and those are disgusting, than watch my friends have sex. Like he's got like drill holes in the walls to run cables through. Yeah, this is a lot of work. This is elaborate. Yuck. I mean, I, I'm not going to yuck someone else's yum, but still. I am because here's well, Bonnie should have known. Well, that's but. the thing. If Bonnie had known, I'd be like, do it, dude. It would have been cool. so much easier to just be like, yo, can Jack just like sit in here? Well, she would have said no. She'd be like... Also, I don't really him... think that they were having that like crazy sex. If I let him sit in here, can I get a new vacuum? Aw, <laughs> poor Bonnie. Like, yeah, Bonnie, you can have a new vacuum. Aw, I hope she got a Dyson. Those are nice. So Hanson then actually would start writing fan fiction. No, oh my God. <laughs> on the internet of him and Bonnie. And would use their real names in them. And somehow the FBI never found out. This is so cringe. It's so weird. Ugh. Just like average average 4chan or today He's is like, what they were. He was like, I, I didn't, yeah, so he was like, she was getting ready in the mirror without oh, a shirt no. on. And he's like, and I was watching her, and she saw me watching her, and she became more and more aroused. And I was like, ew, what is this story? Poorly written is what it sounds like. Her voluptuous breasts bouncing with every stroke oh of the brushing hair. He didn't. He didn't write that. I came up with that because I'm a better writer. Oh, that was supposed to be better. It was much better than I watched. Voluptuous. And I said bounced with every stroke. You literally sound like men writing <laughs> sex scenes right now. Which is uh, there's an award for the worst sex scene written by a man every year, and it, that's what it sounds like. You're. Doing I could right do now. it. I could write a horrible sex scene. I'm sure you could. So the FBI started paying uh, disaffected Russian intelligence officers for information on moles. And they paid former KGB agent Alexander Sherbakov. Sherbakov. $7 million for information. Which you will find out is more money than Hansen ever made. Isn't that ridiculous? Well, he's only doing 55000 55, pop. So yeah, that's true. Now, although it although it did not have Hanson's legal name, he did have a Sherbakov had a file 
on Ramon Garcia. And there was also a tape of a phone conversation between the mole and the KGB officer. Now, the FBI assumed when they got the tape that it would be of Brian Kelly, but it wasn't him. There were also journals describing when and where the drops were made. It wasn't, uh, and it was obvious that it wasn't Brian because he had been in Australia at the time. It's fair. Analysts were looking at the documents and that were provided and recognized some of the phrases that were being used. These were phrases that Hansen often used. One of them that I will not repeat was one from General Patton in World War II. It was have the N word in it? No, but it says something about purple pissing Japanese people. Whoa! Yeah, all right, yeah, well, it doesn't that make... sounds about right for World War II, I guess. But, but I don't understand why they're peeing purple. Why? Also, why is he repeating this to the to the Russians? Why do they like he's he, sneaking he would, politics like, in there? This like, was what the fuck? like this was like a phrase he would use all the time. Uh, okay, he doesn't sound like a very cool guy. No, he's shitty. It'd be like it, it, like he would use. I guess he would like use this phrase like, "Hey, how you doing? Living the dream." Oh my Another God. day in paradise. If the, if your catchphrase is that racist, then like you need to rethink your life. It's not very opus day of you. They realized that the mole was Bob Hansen. Mm, Bob. Mm, Bob. It was mm, Bob. Mole is mm, Bob. It is okay. Anyways, um, the source also provided a trash bag that was used in one of the drops, actually the very first drop, and it was kept in a very secret location so it didn't get messed with. And Hanson's fingerprints were still on the bag. Oh no! Twenty years later, um, this is when the FBI finally figured out that it was Hanson all along, and they had to begin surveillance on Hanson now. There were some challenges investigating his home because he had a wife and six children. And even though two of them lived at home at the time, they couldn't just like sneak into his house and look for shit. Yeah. Which I was like, wow, you really would just sneak into his house and look for shit. But yeah, they will. Yeah, of course they will. Are you kidding me? They're sneaking into all of our emails and reading them without our permission. Of course, ah! they'll, sneak, of course they'll sneak into a house. Well, they're about to be very bored to read my emails. <laughs> Just off the hey, Sephora catalog, uh, baddragon.com, uh, Christian women mingle. Is bad dragon that giant dildo? Yes, oh man, yeah, yeah, that's definitely me. Guilty. Um, the FBI actually ended up purchasing a house across the street from Hansen to keep a better eye on him. But time was of the essence because Hansen was on the brink of mandatory retirement. They force you to retire at some point? Mm-hmm. Oh, if only everyone did that. I know. They also expedited the investigation because of the how sensitive the information was that was being leaked. Now... In December of 2000, he was promoted to a new job, which supervised FBI computer security. They gave him this job because it actually kept him from sensitive data. So they were like, we think it's him. We can't prove it yet. Move him here. So they did. Um, Hansen would actually. So it was said that this job didn't actually have that much for him to do. So he would spend most of his time on the FBI's automated case support system, trolling it for information. And this is when he would look up himself all the time. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Um, Hansen did suspect that something was up, not only because of the moving of the job position, but also because he was hearing sounds in his car radio that made him think that the car might be bugged. Um, yeah. It probably was. Yeah, I no, guess. it 100% was. Also, your tax dollar is hard at work here, folks, buying a house across from Robert Hansen's house. Oh, God. <laughs> there, were, there was actually a couple times that they definitely could have caught Robert Hansen, and they just didn't. Um, one of them being where there was this incident where IT found that he had tried to hack his own computer with a password cracking program. But when it was brought to the attention of his superiors, Hansen told them that he was trying to connect to a color printer and they believed him. Well, he's probably old at this point, right? So I'd just be like, oh, yeah. Well, and also, though, this was like the 90s. Computers weren't super great yet. I was trying to connect to the He's color like, printer. He's like, I don't know what I did. I was just trying to connect to the color printer to print out nude photos of my wife to send to all of my oh friends. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. And everyone was like, this is the 90s, so we're cool with this. There was also somebody else who um, accused him of being a, a double agent. And then again, it just like was dropped. So there was like three separate occasions, probably more. That were documented where they were just like, mm, but what if he wasn't? We're not going to look into it. Mm. I mean, unless didn't. they have like solid evidence, they can't do anything anyway. I guess. Hansen made one last dead drop on February 18th, 2001. He dropped his friend Jack. It was Jack off at the airport after visiting him and then headed to Virginia's Foxstone Park. Him and Jack just need to fuck already. God, for real. <laughs> Um, he put a white piece of tape on a park sign, which was his signal to the Russian contacts that there was info there. He put a package wrapped in a garbage bag of classified material and taped it to a wooden footbridge over a creek. When the FBI arrested Hansen, he allegedly said, what took you so long? Bro. Deborah Smith was the special agent who was in charge of the investigation, and she is one who caught him. Um, Hansen said that he wanted to see the supervisor, which was her. And when Smith went and met with him, he said to her, this should help your career. Whoa, all right. And, and she was like, I just was really shocked that that's all he had to say to me. This guy's such an asshole. <laughs> mm -hmm. He's like, eh, this should help your career. Um, the, actually, the whole investigation, once they like suspected that was him and was him and figured it out it only actually took three months of figuring it all out which is pretty unheard of but they were working around the clock um after the arrest the fbi waited two days for the russians to come get the package but when they didn't come they announced the arrest so after his arrest, obviously he's in huge ass trouble and espionage is a crime that is punishable by death. I was about to say, I was like, I think they can kill you over yes, this. They can. Um, Hansen actually negotiated a plea bargain, plea bargain so that he wouldn't have the death penalty on July 6, 2000. And he cooperated like he really cooperated on July 6, 2001, he pled guilty on 13 counts of espionage, one count of attempted espionage, and one conspiracy to attempt espionage. They're making stuff up at this point. Oh, yeah. Attempted and conspiracy to attempt espionage? Come on. Just like he, roll it all well, into one. And he also fucking did it, too. So well, it's like... 13 times. Well, yeah. On May 15th, 2002, he was sentenced to 15 consecutive life sentences in prison. Oh, so one shit. for each of those charges. Oh, shit. Yeah. If only they took everything else so seriously. Yeah, for real. 
Hansen is a Federal Bureau of Prisons prisoner in Florence, Colorado. He is in solitary confinement for 23 hours a day. His family can only visit him twice a year. He was a special agent for the FBI from 1976 to 2001, so that makes him a 27-year veteran of the FBI. He is the third spy in human history of the FBI that we've caught, at least, and it is said that he is the most damaging spy in FBI history. He is featured in the International Spy Museum as a traitor. Um, He gave Russians... So, like... You sit here and you go, yeah, some people died, which is horrible. Don't get me wrong, but, you know. They were they were agents, though, right? So you're yeah. like, okay, well. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, they were doing the same thing. They knew like, what they were getting into. They all knew what they were getting into, like that. And, like, you hear about some of the stuff he gave to them, and you think that it's not that big of a deal. But he did give the Russians the plan on how we were planning to deal with a nuclear attack if, every, if one was to ever happen. Um, so he gave away some really sensitive information um some people believe that hansen felt like god provided him this opportunity to make more money which i think is just really a stretch i think he knew what he was doing a lot of people said that like he wanted to outdo his dad or like prove to his dad that like he could be better than him oh he has daddy issues yeah he has to sell out government secrets because he's got daddy issues okay sure yeah. Fucking whatever. Um, but then I, th- I think, honestly, I think he was a dick. I think he got an adrenaline rush from it. I think that's why he kept doing it. Um, it is estimated that he made about $1.4 from the Russians for information, which, honestly, not enough. Over a mil, though. But for 20-something, I don't know. How long was he doing it? Do we know the whole time? 27 or? years. Um, it started, and so he started... At the FBI in 76, and in 79 is when he started selling. So 24 years. So, yeah, yeah. I guess, that you know, you could definitely get more over the course of 24 years than that. So Oh, absolutely. And I know he took some little breaks, but it's like, well, was that really worth the Did- rest of your life in prison 23 hours a day in solitary confinement? Absolutely not. No, not for $1.4 million. And, like, to disgrace your family. Daddy's not proud. No. Nope. Good luck, Robert. No. Nope. You fucked up. Pretty sure his dad was dead, though, by this point. So, unlike Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Robert Hansen did not have a happy ending. He did not find the love of his life, and his prison cell was not nearly as sexy as Angelina Jolie in a black dress. Robert Hansen committed the ultimate betrayal and turned his back on his country's country for riches and rubies. Robert Hansen did get what he deserved, but like we said, was it worth it? $1.4 million for 15 life sentences does not sound like a good trade to me. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. Spies. That's our first spy one, right? Yes. Yeah. I think yes. So. I think so. We have that one guy who's still on the run, still on the Oh, lam. that's right. That guy. From uh, Germany. Wirecard? Yeah. Yeah, still don't think they've caught him. I haven't seen anything about it, so I don't think they've caught him. Well, damn. Which is wild. Card. One of these days. Stop. (laughs) Well, if you liked that, there's more where that came from. We've got social media. We're on Facebook.com slash White Collars Red Hands. Let's see how fast I can say it. Ready? Go ahead. We're on Twitter at White Collars Pod. We're on Instagram at White Collars underscore Red Hands. On TikTok at White Collars Red Hands. If you want to suggest an episode, you can go to our website, www. Uh, <laughs> wow. 
I mean, you did red leather, okay. yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Okay, you can go to our website at www.whitecollarsredhands.com. Um, you can leave us a message there. You can DM us. We love to do fan submitted episodes. If you want an unfree way to support us, you can go buy our merch. You will find that link in our website. Um, also, the other free way you can support us is by rating us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We love a five-star rating, but an honest one is good as well. Um, also, tell a friend. Tell a friend about us, and they can check us out, and they will love us, and then we can grow and grow and grow. I think that's it. Just like Jack in the uh, in the study. All right. <laughs> yeah, isn't that gross? Like, I thought about that later. I was like, it was like masturbating to them. Yeah, I think that was the point. I was like, ew, you like, ew. Okay, anyways, thanks so much for listening. <laughs> we'll see you next time on another episode of White Collars, Red, Red Hands. Hands.